Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changes, you're absolutely positively in the right place. And whatever that guy said, the the voiceover, whatever he said, that's what we're going with. So let me tell you a little bit about the buzz today. I found a quote from Walker Research. It was a Customers 2020 a Progress Report. And those of you who haven't checked your calendar recently, well, we just got past April Fool's Day. We're live here on April 2nd, 2019. And that means there's ah, not too much time left till 2020 New Year's Eve. So put something on ice early so all the good stuff isn't taken from the shelves. Let's see what this quote is. By 2020, customer experience will overtake price as a key product differentiator. Enterprises need to ramp up now to stay ahead of customer experience innovation. Very telling words. So what are we talking about today? The new B2B buyer. Come on, they're out there. You want them. You need them. Your company needs to talk to them. You want them to buy, but they're new and they're modern. They have created a new customer journey. What's different about it? It's not a straight line. It's not linear. It isn't cookie cutter. It's very personalized. They're people. They're B2B buyers, but they're still people. And it does not end at the point of purchase. If you take away nothing else from the next hour, think about that. So how does this change? It encompasses the complete customer life cycle from awareness. They have to know who you are if they're going to buy from you to purchase. Yes, you want the dollars to loyalty and advocacy. Very, very important. So here's a reality check. Is your company, your B2B company positioned? Are you agile? Are you ready to personalize the journey for each target customer? I know that's a lot to understand. The idea of personalizing the journey. Hey, you're a big company. You're a mid-sized company. You have to make a personalized journey. Well, it may be simpler than you think. And that's why we have a wonderful panel of experts here. And let me tell you who's on the show today. You're going to learn so much. Don't do anything else for the next, ooh, let's see, the next 54 minutes. First up in a moment, I will be introducing you to Kate Bradley Chernis, C-H. E-R-N-I-S. She is the founder and CEO of a company called Lately, L-A-T-E-L-Y. Welcoming Kate. Joining her also is Rob Levin, and he is, I have a couple of companies here, CEO and Chief SMB Officer of RSL Media, and he wants me to tell you that he's the Editor-in-Chief of Speak SMB, that's Speak Lowercase SMB, Small to Mid-Sized Businesses, Uppercase. We'll be talking to him in a minute. Rounding out the panel is Yosh Eisbart. And he is the co-founder and CEO of Nimble Tech Edge. That's the full name of the company we're going with today. So welcome to my three panelists. They're all newcomers to Game Changers, and we're thrilled to have you. So let's kick off this very lively show with Kate Bradley Chernis, and she has sent us a quote from Sally Krawcheck, K-R-A-W-C-H-E-C-K. And I didn't know who Sally Krawcheck is, so let me share with you. She was born in 1964, so I consider her a very young woman, CEO and co-founder of Elevest, E-L-E-V-E-S-T, a digital financial advisor for women 
She launched the company in 2016. She was previously the president of Global Wealth and Investment Managed Division of the Bank of America. She's been known as one of the most senior women on Wall Street, and she is involved in Wall Street regulatory reform and advises startups. Here's the quote. Listen up. This is one of the shortest quotes in the history of Game Changers Radio. Three words. Listen up. I like money. Kate Bradley Turnus, I love the quote. And I have to tell you, Kate, on air, you have tweeted more times than any guest in the history of Game Changers before the show even starts. So I'm very grateful to you. And I'm going to push the post button right now on my we're live tweet. Here we go. We're tweeting at hashtag SAP radio. Kate, how are you? Welcome to Game Changers. I'm fantastic. How are you, Bonnie? Thank you. I'm, I'm fantastic. Now, tell me about this quote, I like money. We're talking about the new modern B2B buyer. We're talking about the customer journey. Who is this modern B2B buyer and why does their customer journey matter? But most important, what does Sally Krawcheck's three-word quote, I like money, have to do with all of this? Go ahead, Kate. Yeah, I mean, what I loved about that was she said it at this panel that I saw in San Francisco a little while ago, and it was just so clear. And she was talking about women raising money and the challenges um, in startup land. And I don't know if you guys know this, but in my world, just 2.2% of all the venture capital funding goes to women, which is like not a lot, right? Um, And so, you know, Sally was just talking about her mission, which is to basically make women fully equal with men, and her belief is to do that by making them financially equal with men. And I just loved I Like Money because I I like money. Bonnie, do you like money? I sure do. (laughs) I mean, right? And and our customers like money too, right? They're they're in it to win it. They want to make sure that their marketing is all about the bottom line, of course. Um, And so that whole, the whole journey and the way we look at that journey and remembering that they're humans, obviously, but with that bottom line in mind as well, I think is super important. And I just love the simplicity of it. <laughs> I, I do too. And I was going to come back with a French word, a French uh, re- phrase as a rejoinder, Kate. Pourquoi pas? Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> just why, why, why not? not? Exactly. So, so, but when we talk about the customer journey, and Kate, we talk on many of our shows, and, and a shout-out to Lorraine Maurice at SAP, who's the sponsor of this series. And if people are tuning in and saying, what, changing the game in revenue growth, what's that? This is the new title for the show we've been doing with Lorraine for years called Think Big, Work Small, which is focused on SMEs, SMBs, whatever your vocabulary prefers. So my question to you, Kate, just a, just a quick conversation here, is we talk about building relationships. That's the big mantra on social media. Don't be a salesperson. Don't cram people full of what you're selling and when the when the sale is over and where to call and operators are standing by. Build a relationship. So here we're talking about, I like money, okay? The customers like money, but they like something in exchange for their money too. So how do you <laughs> reconcile a really hard-hitting quote like, I like money with, don't do a hard sell, Build a relationship. Be there as an advisor. I'm not making fun. I'm just kind of soft peddling. Be there as an advisor, a guide, an expert, somebody to give them information they can't get from anyone else. And once they trust you and like you, they will buy from you. So how do we reconcile I like money with that? <laughs> sure. I mean, I think of I like money as, as direct as well. But what I think of it is I'm sharing something very personal with me. You know something a lot about me right now. You know I like 
simple things. You know I like money, obviously, but you know I'm a pretty direct person. And what I've found is that directness, when I share it with you, it gives you permission to be direct, right? So there's a different level of communication going on here. I'm removing some boundaries immediately just in a sentence about how you Mm -hmm. and I can move forward in our relationship. Okay, we'll go with that. Thank you very much, Kate. Pleasure to have you on. The tweets continue. <laughs> Rob Levin is tweeting too, and that brings me up to Rob at Speak SMB. And Rob has sent us a quote from the Grateful Dead from Brown Eyed Woman. And let me tell you who co-wrote this is Jerry Garcia, full name Jerome John Garcia, 1942 to95, American singer, songwriter, and guitarist, best known as the lead guitarist and vocalist with the band the Grateful Dead, and people saw him as the spokesperson for the group. And Robert C. Hunter, still with us, 1941 birthday, American lyricist, singer, songwriter, translator, and poet. And this is interesting. I didn't know this. Robert Hunter uh, was officially a non-performing band member, and when the Grateful Dead was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 1994, Hunter was included as a band member. He was the only non-performer ever so honored. I thought that was interesting. So here is the, here were the lines that from Brown Eyed Woman that Rob has selected. Daddy made whiskey, and he made it well. Cost $2, and it burned like hell. I cut hickory just to fire the still. Drink down a bottle and be ready to kill. I added those last two lines, Rob, and I'm not going to sing them. Welcome, Rob Levin. How are you? I'm doing terrific. And, and by the way, Bonnie, it's brown-eyed women. Women. Oh, I just copied make, just this. For, I want to make sure all the Dead fans out there, you know, don't start uh, lighting up the Twitter board. And there was there was no no asp- no aspersions cast when uh, when you said the the dead fans so they're very much alive I'm sure they are so we, we have to clarify that on radio Rob welcome officially and uh, we'll find out a little bit about what you do in your company but tell me about how did you pick these lyrics for our topic on the new modern B two B customer journey what does a lyric from the Grateful Dead have to do with this Well let, let's talk about the Grateful Dead. Um, it, it, they have one of the most loyal fan followings for, for well over 50 years. And if you look at some of the things they did, there are easily parallels to what, uh, certainly what any marker, marketer, certainly B2B marketers uh, could and should be doing these days. So two things that the Grateful Dead did, they had their own ticket club back, I think it started in the, in the 70s, I'm not sure if it started in the 60s, where uh, loyal fans could always get tickets to Grateful Dead shows instead of going through that whole, what used to be Teletron and Ticketmaster. Uh, and, they, and with that, they had this unbelievable loyal following. It was really a community. Uh, in some cases, people went, you know, and still do go from show to show because they're still around today in a different carnation. Um, and the other thing the Grateful Dead did, and, you know, think about the parallel here to gated content, is they, uh, they allowed their fans to tape shows which was unheard of, and if anything, it was totally against what the record companies wanted because they thought it was going to result in selling less records. And while the Grateful Dead aren't known necessarily for their studio work versus their their live shows, the taping of shows probably expanded the audience. Remember, this goes back to cassette tapes uh, infinitely, Mm -hmm. infinitely. And again, they sell out now, you know, over 50 years later, they sell it almost every, every show they do. In fact, David, David Meerman Scott, the, the well-known uh, marketing guru, uh, who I had the, the pleasure of spending some time with a couple months ago at a conference, uh, he actually wrote a book on what marketers can learn from the Grateful Dead that, that did pretty well. Uh, so that, that's, that's the tie-in. It's the, the Grateful Dead can actually 
be a, uh, something that B2B and actually even B2C marketers can learn from today. Very, very interesting. So now let's pin this down to the lyrics. Daddy made whiskey and he made it well. It cost $2 and it burned like hell. How does that relate to our topic? Give me a little dotted line here, It doesn't here, relate Rob. whatsoever other than the fact that I like whiskey. <laughs> uh, now, fortunately, I, I'm in a position where I don't have to buy whiskey that's 2 bucks, but um, th- that's the tie-in. Oh, that's that's adorable. I've never had that answer from a panelist before in 1,500 shows. Thank you very much. And I, I like the idea that you're using the Grateful Dead as the link rather than the lyrics to the song. Thank you. And I learned something about Robert Hunter. And now let's move around the table to Yosh Eisbart at Nimble Tech Edge. And Yosh has also sent us poetry, not song lyrics, but poetry from Rudyard Kipling. And I have a little bio here. Joseph Rudyard Kipling, 1865 to 1936, an English journalist, short story writer, poet, and novelist born in India. And this quote is from his poem, If. It was written around 1895 as a tribute to Leander Starr Jameson is the literary example of Victorian-era stoicism. Maya, that's a big word for our show today. It was first published in 1910. The poem is written in the form of paternal advice to the poet's son, John. And here is part of the poem that Yosha selected. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Oh, Yosh, what a beautiful poem. I'm in tears. I'm really in tears. How are you, Yosh? Welcome to Game Changers, Yosh. I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me. We are delighted. Talk to me. I don't think we've ever had Kipling quoted on Game Changers. This is a day for first. So tell me how you picked this absolutely beautiful line, this set of lines from his poem. And by the way, anybody remembers if it starts out with, if you can keep your head when all about you were losing, losing theirs and blaming it on you. That's the opening. So tell me, how did you pick this for our, our topic today? Yosh? So this poem is, has been a part of my life since third grade. Um, and uh, it just means so much, uh, you know, from start to finish, uh, kind of really embodies kind of the ethos of, of, of my family and, and my father. So there's a tremendous amount of bonds there. Um, and, you know, th- this poem really talks about, um, you know, remaining focused, um, focusing on that which is important for you, um, not allowing distractions to, to cause you to go off kilter, um, having uh, self-awareness, uh, mindfulness. And so uh, since I was in third grade, um, you know, my father, uh, again, uh, very, very close with, um, we had a, um, a poetry um, a contest in third grade, and I was asking my dad, uh, you know, what do you think makes some sense? And, um, this was a poem that was important, uh, and a connection between him and his father. And so mm. not to get too sentimental, but I'm kind of a sentimental guy. Um, Ken. you know, this is one that, um, really has resonated, uh, through my whole life. Thank you very much. It's, it's beautiful. And how does this relate to when we're talking about this new modern customer journey, uh, the idea of, neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. Is there a certain 
shall we say, a thick skin that a company has to have today to take on the new customer journey? And let me just ask you, Yosh, do you think this new cust- new style customer journey, nonlinear, needs to be personalized? Do you think this was something that is being honed and shaped by B2B customers and companies just have to deal with it? What do you think? Um, I mean, potentially. I mean, I, I think that the way that I relate to kind of the B2B journey, and, and a shout-out to Rob uh, in regards to uh, the dead quote, I was definitely deciding between uh, probably a quote from Uncle John Spann, so congrats, Rob, uh, great stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, this for me is more about the line, uh, and for those that aren't familiar with the, this Kipling poem, if, highly recommend Googling it. I have it as a poster mm-hmm. in, in my office. I think Beautiful. it's more about walking with kings nor losing the common touch. I think mm-hmm. it's really easy in, in any type of sales cycle, you know, for us, especially kind of from a technology side, to really lead with, um, I don't want to say a, a, a sense of arrogance or kind of know-it-all, but, you know, you know, many customers reach out to us because um, they may not necessarily know how to best execute something. And mm-hmm. so um, I think it's super important to, to treat your customer, um, you know, with a sense of humbleness, um, really try to, to, to understand kind of where their struggles are, empathize, and trying to come in with being a know-it-all and being the technical guru. Uh, maybe that had worked uh, back in the day, but, uh, you know, A, it's not the right way to, to sell in my perspective. And quite frankly, the customers now, uh, I think that really just turns them off. Thank you very much. Good reality check there, Yosh, and welcome again. Let's go back around the table to Kate Bradley Chernis. Kate, I have three questions for you. It's time for us to get to know you a little bit better. We already know your good sense of humor and the kind of quotes you like, so now I'd like to know three things. Number one, where in the world are you today? Number two, and you already tweeted about this, but you didn't tell me what the answer was, what's your favorite drink, your beverage that powers you, Kate, to do everything you do? And tell us just a little bit about what you do at your company, but I'd love for you to just drop a couple of words on your previous roles, your previous jobs or passions or whatever you've done, because I've looked at your bio and it's quite interesting. So go ahead, Kate. Where are you? What do you love to drink? And tell me about you. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, I'm actually in Stone Ridge, New York, which is the Mid-Hudson Valley, so a little bit north of the city. Not not quite far as far as Cornell, Rob. I was thinking about Cornell 77 as far as uh, the taping goes. You know, it's everybody's favorite or a lot of people's favorite uh, dead tape we bars, got three but, um, dead fans on the on the right? panel. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You can add me. Um, All right, I'll join you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and and speaking of, so in another life, I was a rock and roll DJ. Um, my Woo! last gig was broadcasting to 20 million listeners a day for XM Satellite Radio. So yeah, play, played me some dead. You know, a whole Trey lot. Very cool. That's for sure. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually a big police fan, so I have a huge crush on Andy Summers. And, um, you know, my husband always says, thank God, because he's a short guitar player, too. So, winning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you love to drink, right? Um I love to drink tequila. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. So, <laughs> and favorite brand? For you there. <laughs> what kind of, what kind um, of brand? Like, El Jimador is my favorite. It's a good, it's a good table, tequila. Um, you know, I switched actually, and Reposado is the deal, right? So I switched from wine. Wine wakes you up at night, and it makes you bloated and fat and all those things. Um, oh, that's and terrible. I was just sort of, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, 
just a, it's a demon for um, sleeping really. But I, I'm stressed. I need, I need to take the edge off at night and um, Reposado has half the calories. So skinny also, you know, um, so a lot of good things about tequila <laughs> for me. I'm look. I'm looking up Reposado tequila Reposado. There is a DeLeonTequila.com that talks about it. You can buy it online from Drizzly. Uh, the question online is: What is the difference between Reposado and Anijo? A N E J O. Is that important for us to know, Kate? It is. Yeah. So the there's. I think it's there's no. I want to say there's no carbs in the Reposado. It's something something more skinny. Um, a friend had told me about it, and I looked up the details at that time, and I was like, Ooh, I'm switching because, you know, I'd rather have two tequilas um, instead of one glass of wine because then, then we're off to the races. Um, there you go. And so, the yeah, five there, versions there, are this Blanco, there's Hoven, J-O-V-E-N, Reposado, Aneo, and Extra Aneo. So those are the five that they're talking about here on vinepair.com if you, anybody wants to look that up. A guide <laughs> to the five different types of tequila and a guide to the Grateful Dead fans of the world. Okay, we're, we're doing well here. So so now tell me, what what is Lately? When did you found, establish, create the company? What do you do? Yeah, sure. So um, Lately's been around for five years now, which is hard to believe, but I, I used to own a marketing agency uh, how I got into marketing from rock and roll is a whole nother story. But um, about 10 years ago, I was managing a multi-million dollar Walmart campaign and I made for them a series of spreadsheets that um, got the campaign 130% ROI year over year for three years. So awesome. Um, something really to be said about organization, which is really what, what I focus on there. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, we took that idea and we used um, artificial intelligence. So we, at Lately, we combine artificial intelligence with automation to make our customers a social media content mega factory. So if you're an underdog, you're able to be uh, act like a big dog online um, with a fraction of the time, the team, and the cost is essentially um, the nutshell there. But I'll break it down like a little bit more, Bonnie. So, you know, one of the ways we, we do this is we look at writing because I'm sure both Yosh and Rob can attest to this, like writing is challenging for everyone, right? Most people either are not good at it, don't want to do it, and that applies to actual marketers as well, professional marketers, not great at writing. Um, so we start the organization process actually by luring people in with a, with a writing component. So we use AI to upcycle blogs, newsletters, videos, podcasts um, into dozens of pre-hashtagged and pre-short-linked social media posts in about 1.8 seconds. So that's how, we, that's how we, uh, we meet you, so to speak. And then we, we show you some more um, organizational features with that content once we hook you in with the, with the AI. Thank you very much. Very clever. And I love that uh, I think one of your handles is Kately. And your company is Lately and you're Kate and Kately. And I thought that was very clever. Thank you very much for your energetic promotion of the show. And you're even tweeting while we're talking. And I admire that. And so is Rob. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's move around the table before we make it the Kate Bradley Chernus Hour. Rob Levin, you're up next. RSL Media. i got to get that right. And Editor-in-Chief of Speak SMB. So, Rob, three questions. Where are you today? What do you love to drink and what do you do what is speak smb and what is rsl media so i'm in midtown manhattan um right next to maybe a few blocks from penn station um as far as what i like to drink 
Usually it's Scotch whiskey. Highland Park 18 is my favorite. As it does get a little warmer and as I listen more to my health coach, I am, I do incorporate some tequila. Uh, I do, uh, like my reposados as well as my, my silvers. Um, the anejos, which are aged a little bit longer, sometimes I find a little too sweet. Um, depending, especially the extra anejos, which have been aged for a long time in tequila years. Um, so then the last question is, is what, what do we do? Uh, RSL Media, which has kind of been around in 2003. We actually started out as a media company serving the New York area small business market. We had a print magazine, website, of course, and we did a lot of events, including the New York area small business awards. And in 2014, we sold, uh, that was called the New York Enterprise Report. We sold that. Uh, so we can f- exclusively focus on building programs for large brands that attract, engage, nurture, and convert small and mid-sized businesses. And we pre- predominantly do that by uh, putting these programs into place, which are, ba- which are largely content-driven, that mm-hmm. uh, essentially evolve the, um, evolve the sales and marketing of our clients to the way buyers, particularly small and mid-sized businesses, the way those buyers are buying today. And then Speak SMB is our website where we share our insights for B2SMB professionals. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Very interesting what you do. But I have to tell you, I went to the same website where I looked up Kate's um, tequila, and there was an article there, believe it or not, Rob, called Nine Things <laughs> You Should Know About Highland Park Scotch Whiskey. Okay, and they say, for those of us who fall in in the love category with Scotch, you either love it or you don't, Rich Highland Park is hard to ignore. This year alone, the brand earned accolades from the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, International Spirits Challenge, and World Whiskey Awards, to name a few. And they say, you know those tales of whiskey moonshiners during American Prohibition? Well, you can think of Highland Park as the Scottish version of boozy insurgents. Okay, it's a single malt scotch with rebellious origins, and one of its founders was a direct descendant of the Vikings. Okay, we'll leave it at that. So go to vinepair, V-I-N-E-Pair.com, and look up Highland Park Scotch Whiskey. Thank you, Rob. We're certainly having some interesting drinks here today. No pressure on our next guest, Yosh Eisbart. Yosh at Nimble Tech Edge. Yosh, same three questions. Where are you today? What you do absolutely love to drink? What powers you? Makes you happy? Makes you smile? makes you productive, and tell us about Nimble, please. Absolutely. So where am I? I am in the amazing Mile High City of Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, am looking right now as we speak at Mile High Stadium, so our offices are uh, sharing the same parking lot as where uh, uh, the Broncos play. Uh, in terms of a drink, uh, I'm a simple guy. Uh, so a bullet for me, uh, great bourbon. Um, is kind of my, my poison of choice um, and kind of a little personal. I've got four littles, um, ages 10 uh, down to five. And so, you know, when I'm at home, I, um, I definitely try to be present and put the phone away and, and, uh, and, and be the, the right kind of dad. Um, and then after putting the kids to bed, uh, that's when, uh, probably pour uh, a bullet if, uh, if my wife's not looking um, <laughs> and then get back to the computer and, and try to bang away at some more work. Uh, what well, don't let, her, don't let her listen to this show, Yosh, because she's going to yeah. know what you've just <laughs> said. So you heard it here first. Go ahead, Yosh. What do you do? 
Right on. So, um, so I'm the CEO. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. I am the, the chief sales officer for Nimble Tech Edge. Um, Nimble, um, an SAP consulting shop, started in 2009 um, with me and my business partner, Michael Pytel, co-founder. Um, two of us started the company and, um, uh, in 2018, about a year ago. Uh, we joined forces. We were acquired by a global SAP consulting firm called TechEdge. Um, mm-hmm. They're based out of Milan. Uh, our companies are very similar in regards to culture, except they speak um, much more eloquently and are, are much finer dressed than we are, um, especially since, uh, you know, us being out of Colorado. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> so now my role is to, to try to continue to grow and, and work with customers and providing value within uh, – with the IT services space. Thank you very much for so much sharing, and let's hope your wife doesn't have to hear that part of the show. If you tell, if you play it for her, just skip over that where you tell her what you're doing with the drink. Okay, all good. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, where it is a very cold and very, very damp day. The rain is pouring, covering the windows. We were up to 80 degrees on Sunday, and now we started the day at 35, and we had a freeze warning overnight two nights ago. So, yes, uh, Aaron, can you hear me now? He said I faded away. Is my mic back? Good, loud and clear. Always glad. Yes, we're having a little technical swap over from Tyline to Skype audio with a Jabra today. So if I sound a little different, that's why. I'm not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days. I might have a little drink of white wine tonight, but I'm just relegated to cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug. Relocated here a year and a half ago from Long Island, New York. So I know New York very well, those of you who are in the city today. And uh, I'm just going to say that we're going to take a 90-second break here. I'm here with three very outspoken, very lively, very smart people. Kate Bradley Chernus, the founder and CEO of Lately. Rob Levin, the CEO and Chief SMB Officer of RSL. I got it right, Media. And Editor-in-Chief of Speak SMB. Go to their website. And Yosh Eisbart co-founder and CEO of Nimble Tech Edge, really enjoying the conversation. And we're talking today about the new modern B2B customer journey. And I think we could take the words panelists, new and modern, away from B2B and talk about the new modern customer journey in B2B, which possibly would be would fit for both parts of that descriptor for the show. Shout out to Lorraine Maurice and Brittany Gu, who Brittany helped put this show together. We really appreciate it. She's moved on in her role at SAP, and we wish her well. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We'll be back in 90 seconds. No time to get the car oiled and greased, but you might want to have a sip of something interesting. Aaron, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Changing the Game in Revenue Growth explores the impact of the changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think big. 
Work Small, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Absolutely. And our topic today is the new modern B2B customer journey. And I was saying before the break, we might want to call it the new modern customer journey for the B2B space. Let's talk about that. Kate Bradley Chernis at Lately, Rob Levin at Speak SMB, and Yosh Eisbart at Nimble Tech Edge are my three experts today. We're going to go around the table to Kate. And Kate told me the following in her notes before the show. This is where we'll start our real roundtable. She says, By leveraging human emotions, the key to all purchasing decisions. Everybody let that sink in, human emotions. Businesses can not only connect with customers, but transform them into evangelists. We're talking about B2B, so Kate, please tell us more. Yeah, sure. This is actually a carryover from my radio days, and it's interesting. You've been doing it here today live um, right in front of our eyes. So one of the things I learned in radio was, giving just a little bit of yourself over, right, your, your persona, sharing a little bit of information or human information about you is really key to having that conversation, right? So as we know now, just like in radio, it should be a two-way conversation between um, company and customer or, or broadcaster and, and listener, right? And in order to make those listeners fans, that's where this idea of giving more of yourself comes in. There's, there's definitely a line, not to be too scared, but it's little tidbits like we've been doing today. And I found the same thing happening with um, customers for our company. And part of it is what we touched on earlier is by sharing myself with someone, it, you know, even just a little tidbit, I'm giving them that reverse permission to do the same back with me. So then we make that conversation two-way, right? And mm-hmm. this is how you can leverage that human emotion, right? Because people buy what they love, always, 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 right? If you're not going to love it, you're going to find something else. And, or if you're buying it because you have to, then you're going to feel some resentment generally about it. Um, and so it's really easy to smile, frankly, right? In, in practice, when you smile on the radio, you sound different. And when you smile in the writing or the marketing that you're doing or with the customers you're serving, same kind of um, reaction there. So it's actually pretty easy to do that. And you'll find that when, when people are loving you in that way and they feel that connection to you, that's when you're starting to flip the switch and make the, that evangelism happening. And we touched on this a little bit before, but the reason the journey doesn't end there and how you get those evangelists to then actually evangelize for you is by continuing that relationship, right? And so it's, it's an ongoing thing, and it does take some work, but the, it's, it's an exponential benefit. Um, which is why, you know, we're all advocating about it so much today. Thank you very much. Interesting start to our roundtable. Rob Levin at Speak SMB. Agree or disagree with Kate? I agree. In fact, um, you know, we, we, 
I, we kind of have two roles uh, in, when it comes to marketing at, uh, at RSL Media and Speak SMB. We, there's the work we do for our clients, and, of course, that's what we focus on. And then there's our own marketing. And when it comes to our own marketing, my team is really pushing me uh, in, in our, blog, our blog posts or in my blog posts in, in social media to uh, present more of myself as a person. So that's something we've been working on over the past few weeks. Uh, and it makes sense because, you know, people relate to one another. You can see the, the, uh, the discussion that, we, you know, we had or the first part of the show. And then, you know, looking at this also from a slightly different perspective, um, there's, a, there's a quote that I love uh, by a, a friend of mine named Jack Daly. He's an internationally known sales guru. He really interesting guy. He, he does these sales trainings, and then he tries to do, do a marathon all over the world where he does these sales trainings. And he defines sales as the transfer of trust, right? So mm-hmm. if you think about this, you're going to trust people. You, 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 you trust, you, I guess you, can, you could say you, you certainly have a trust in brands, but you certainly have a trust in people. And when, when a brand, through its people, is showing who they really are and, and the human side of things, you in, in addition to some other things, you're definitely building up that trust, which is the, is the way for sales. Without trust, what do you have? You have FUD. You have fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And at best, that's going to slow down the sales process, and usually it's going to stop it in its tracks. Thank you very much. By the way, I quickly Googled Jack Daly, D-A-L-Y, international expert in sales and sales management, 30-plus years of field-proven experience, started with Arthur Anderson, but most important, do you know what his Twitter handle is, Rob? Because I do. You ready? Iron Man Jack. That's it, absolutely. And you win you win a sip of scotch with somebody after the show. And by the way, yes, I, I play Bob Seeger and Rolling Stones and and also um, Albert Collins and all kinds of uh, R&B and, and rock on my drums. So there you go. And we will have to talk. Okay, let's go around to Yosh. Yosh, agree or disagree with the idea of humanness, of being real, having a conversation, and talking to your customers that Kate started. What do you think? Utter hogwash. I totally agree. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, I couldn't agree more uh, with, with both of, of what what they mentioned. That, um, and I love the the quote, the Jack Daly quote as well, because I think it totally synthesizes, you know, the authenticity um, and, quite frankly, the success that could be had with, you know, trusted selling. Um, now, I, I think both of those are 1,000% accurate, and, you know, I, I think another, you know, data point around this is, is that, you know, you know what Kate mentioned, um, people want to buy from people that they like. I think part of that is also showing a sense of vulnerability, um, being authentic, right? And sales is two ways, and, you know, why, while we as sales and marketing folk um, are very much about customer acquisition and, you know, finding right customers at the same time, you know, we as, um, as organizations, especially in small business, we need to be super judicious on who we take on as customers. And as part of that, there needs to be this bi-directional um, exchange of trust and true partnership. And, you know, from a, from a nimble perspective, uh, there have been times where um, we've made poor decisions on trying to acquire new customers because of the dollars and knowing, uh, you know, in the past that it probably wasn't the, the right uh, business relationship. And that's because while we were being vulnerable and, and presenting 
um, you know, our perspective on, on how this should work, it wasn't reciprocated. So maybe a nugget there in terms of, you know, how we interact on the B2B journey. It's not just about acquiring the customers, but at the same time, you know, we as the, as the seller need to be really careful on, you know, who we partner with, uh, you know, from a business perspective. That, that's very interesting, Yosh. We don't often talk about that. We're going back to uh, the, the Sally quote that Kate brought us, I, I like money. We talk about getting customers, building businesses, building a roster of evangelists and loyal clients. And now you're saying, wait a minute, it's not all who you want it to be. You might attract or start with the wrong. Can we just spend a, a moment talking about that? I want to go around the table. Kate, let's let's take a jumping off point from what Yosh just introduced because that's interesting. Uh, Kate, agree or disagree with what Yosh said about sometimes you make a bad decision about the customers you get or not the ones you want. Can we address that, Kate? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. Certainly, we've made those mistakes, um, and that's part of the part of the learning and part of the fun of actually being in the startup because the idea is to be nimble enough to fix them or to address them. Right. Um, but, but as far as, you know, one, some of the learnings that we've found is that um, mistakes can be incredibly valuable. Um, customers love, um, I found when you, how do I say this? When, when you, when you kind of call them out on being human, right? So there's nothing better than an angry customer who turns into an an evangelist. And again, I go back to radio um, because one of the things I, I love learning was that your favorite song is almost never your favorite song first. You, the, the best ones that you love the most, you probably didn't like at much at first, and then they became your favorite songs, right? So you hold on to them even more dear. And so that's one of my favorite customers to find and have is one that we've actually switched from, from unhappy to happy. Um, and it's something that we kind of like rally around in our, in our Slack channels, you know. Um, and that, for us, that's happened with mis- mistaken targets for sure. But um, again, it's all part of the, the learning process. And I think being open about that learning process and being willing to share it, not only with your customers or, or with your team inside, but then externally, that's how you continue to um, build those evangelists um, from not only your customers who love you right from the get-go because they're going to see it and witness it, but then from the folks that you've made mistakes with too. Thank you very much. Let's go to Rob Levin. Rob, agree, disagree. Interesting sidebar here in our conversation. Thanks to Yosh. What do you think? Well, there, there's not a small business, particularly a, a B2B small business, that uh, hasn't taken on clients that have been problematic. And the, 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 the key is, is which ones actually learn and course correct and which ones just keep going. I, I mean, I can tell you that we, you know, we, and we, have, we have large, our, our clients are large companies, some of the largest companies around. And I can tell you about a, without going into the details, I can tell you about a situation where um, one of the things we do is we bring amazing subject matter experts um, into our clients' content. And there's a, there's a lot I could say about that. But, um, you know, that network that we have built up since 2003 of these subject matter experts, uh, that's really important to us because that allows us to produce uh, point-of-view-changing content that really helps our clients produce results. And we had one client that really, let's just say they, they messed up the con- content that we produced, and we had these amazing, it was some of the best subject matter experts we ever had. And that's a problem for us. Like, even though we're getting, we're, we're making really good money from the client, um, if it's burning out our team or burning out our other resources like our, um, and our assets like our, like our network, that becomes a big problem going forward. And, uh, 
you can be sure that we, we let's just say we adjust it. I'm not going to go into the detail, but we, we're going to try to make sure we don't put ourselves in that position again. Interesting, Rob. You must be uh, you must be omniscient because I'm looking at your discussion statements in my notes here, and that was the one I was going to pick. And you said it exactly. When it comes to content, good content is not enough. Content needs to change the point of view in order to be effective. So thank you, and I'm tweeting that right now. So let me pick another one here from your from your list here. You say for many B2B buyers, especially at smaller enterprises, the journey often starts out. And everybody, listen up. This is important. Their journey often starts out with the search for ideas on how to deal with opportunities and challenges, especially in this age of massive disruption. So let's take that as a jumping off point, Rob. What does this mean for the company that's trying to be a partner along this search journey, this buying journey? Where do you have to be for them to see you as that opportunity for them to have to be disruptive in a positive way for their company. How do you get to be that person who changes their point of view? What do you think? Or is there for their new point so, of view? Right. So, so consider the fact that the buying, certainly the small and mid-sized business buying journey doesn't even start with a look for, with a search for vendors. It starts out with a search for ideas. How do I do this better? Mm-hmm. How do I deal with this issue? Right. Then combine that with the fact that most um, buyers are not reaching out to their vendors till about two-thirds of the way through their buying journey. That's research yep. from, from uh, I think, believe it's Gartner, right? So with the, the successful company, it, what they're going to do today, if you want to engage people earlier, is you, you design your sales and marketing, even your customer support, around helping the small business by providing them with that expert content, with those ideas from people who are dealing with small businesses every day. You're then engaging them much earlier than two-thirds of the way. You're, you're generating demand. You're building trust. You're doing all of these things that you need to do today to win the SMB buyer. And you're doing that by, by changing the way you think about marketing. It's not just about pushing a product. It's about how do I help my customers, my prospective customers win in their, in their day-to-day challenges of running a small and mid-sized businesses and you, a business. And you do that with content. Your salespeople have sales enablement content. The, the, the content on your site is, is, is perfect. A great example of a company that does this uh, is HubSpot. And look at the demand mm-hmm. they generated essentially by inventing a category by helping uh, small and mid-sized businesses with, with marketing automation. Thank you very much. Yosh, why don't you join us? Thoughts about what Rob just shared. Agree or disagree on the value of content if you're there for that person who is looking for ideas, for innovation, for disruption for their small to mid-sized business. What do you think, Yosh? Giddy up. Yep, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) I I think, you know, kind of piggybacking, it even sounds like it's part of Rob's kind of core business. Um, Pivoting a bit in regards to providing content of value to, to your, your, your existing customers and prospects. You know, one of the, the mantras that we have at Nimble uh, in, in imitation is the greatest form of flattery um, is, you know, leveraging the whole 37 signals um, theory of emulating a chef. And, and really the concept behind that, which is something that we've done, you know, pre-Nimble days, Nimble days, post, you know, Nimble days, is being out front and center as a thought leader and providing uh, education-rich content, not infomercial on, you know, why our company is, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, but mm-hmm. providing actual kind of conceptual recipes on how to solve problems. And I think that's what 
you know, Rob's alluding to in regards to, um, you know, providing value or what Hub, HubSpot does, you know, our approach, uh, and I talk a little bit of a uh, shameless plug here. I've, uh, I'm in the process of writing a book called Startup Sutras, and some of those Ooh, articles cool. are on LinkedIn under my, uh, under my LinkedIn article name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in terms of the whole Startup Sutra and, and one, one of the nuggets that we have is really being out there and providing value recipes for prospective customers because when you provide a recipe, right, like Emerald can tell you how to make the most amazing salmon, uh, give you the actual ingredients step by step, 10 people try it, maybe two of them nail it, maybe they do it even better, but the other eight, you know, some may not even try it, some may have challenges with it, and those additional eight, or even those other two that did it right, those are opportunities for, you know, perspective opportunity for clients. So uh, thought leadership, being front and center, I think that's absolutely uh, critical for all businesses, definitely small businesses, so you can differentiate from, you know, all the other uh, competitors out there. Thank you very much. And, Yosh, since we're out of time and it's time for us to start the crystal ball predictions round, and I didn't get to your wonderful statements you sent me before the show, I'm going to start the roundtable with you for the prediction. I'm going to give you 90 seconds to make up for a little bit of time here. So what do you see coming up the pike, down the road, whatever direction you're facing? Um, what, what do you see for changes ongoing changes, future changes, let's say between 2020 and 2025 in this B2B customer journey that is changing and evolving and growing and getting customized. Yosh Eisbart, you're up first. Predictions, 90 seconds. Kate, get ready. And Rob, get ready. Yosh, go. All right. So I just, I think that um, in the B2B journey, um, we don't even know um, what competitors, what disruptors are out there all of the the trite but true examples of Airbnb and Uber, et cetera, and companies now that have grown to unicorns that were not in existence 10 years ago and the GEs of the world are now, you know, uh, you know, licking their wounds. I think that, you know, not terribly prophetic. I'll leave that to to Rob and Kate, but I think that we don't even know, you know, what uh, from an innovation perspective, where things are going and, and whether it's some of the buzzwords, whether, you know, blockchain or AI or ML, machine learning, what have you, there's going to be new stuff we're not even aware of. So I'm going to make a prediction that I have no prediction um, and Mm -hmm. that uh, the future is is, is kind of wide open. Thank you very much. Very, very clever prediction. Kate, 60 seconds, all yours. Go. Sure. So um, two things. One, artificial intelligence is here to stay. And if you're not with it, you're, you're going to be going with the dinosaurs. Um, so it's really important to absolutely to be embracing that um, in marketing for sure, as you know, as we celebrate it lately. But um, really the thing that I, I want to predict, I want this to be true, is that customer service scripts, please die. Please go away. There should be no more reading of the scripts. We want live people who are listening and able to make decisions on their own and, and help you and um, really emphasize that human element that we've been talking about so much today. Thank you very much. Human, human, human. Let's be real people. Rob Levin, you get the last word on predictions. I think I can give you 90 seconds because Kate was so brief and to the point. So, Rob, up to you. Go ahead. I don't think I could take up 90 seconds. Uh, mine's also oh, brief try. to the point. The companies that, <laughs> that are going to be successful uh, in the B2B world, particularly in what we call the B2SMB world, are going to be those that act like 
almost like business publishers or media companies. I'm not talking about like the CNNs or the Fox Newses of the world. I'm talking more about um, like like an Inc. magazine, right, or a Wired magazine or a Fast Company magazine. Those those companies that uh, their customers, their prospective customers, are relying on them for information, for ideas and solutions, those companies are, are going to win because they're going to engage earlier, they're going to build trust, they're going to generate demand, uh, they're going to build a community. Those are the companies that are going to win, you know, by 2025. Thank you very much. And I have just enough time for a quick roundtable. Did, I didn't plan this. Nobody knows what I'm going to ask, but this is a bonus question for all three of you. Let's start with Kate and go around the table quickly. B2B, is that ever going to be replaced by anything else? The letter B, the number two, the letter B. B2B, B2B, to, B2B to SMB, as Rob just mentioned. Anybody have any thoughts on will that change between now and 2025? B2B. Kate, yes or no? And if sure, so, yeah. yes, what? Yes, and it already is. It's called H2H, and I'll give that credit to my good friend Brian with a Y, Brian Kramer, who invented that, um, and he said there is no more B2B. It's all H2H, or no more B2B, no more B2C. It's now H2H, meaning I love it. Yep, human to human. Thank you. Rob Levin, thoughts B2B? What would Um, it be substituted? Ditto, ditto, Kate. Drop the mic. All right. And Brian, shout out to Brian Kramer, by the way. He's been on Game Changers with me more than a couple of times, Kate. So give him a hello from me. Yosh Icebard, agree or disagree? What would you call B2B, H2H? What do you like? I like H2H, so that's uh, that's top of the list. I'm going to go with X2X, and maybe it's a derivative of H2H. I think everything is is experience uh, to experience, Um, and I think that's going to be the focus. on how we interact uh, with humans, with machines, with machines to humans, machines to machines. It's all going to be experience-based. How about that? I love that, actually. And now we're out of time, and I want to do a shout-out to Lorraine Maurice at SAP for sponsoring the series. Brittany Goo. Brittany, again, thank you for putting together this wonderful panel. And and also, Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel. Thank you, Aaron, for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer right now today, just like Kate Bradley Chernis at Lately, just like Rob Levin at RSL Media and Speak SMB, and just like Yosh Eisbart at Nimble Tech Edge. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Coffee Break with Game Changers, talking about the circular economy, part three. You don't want to miss it. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.